Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the jar. Uh, yeah. Uh, aren't you excited about our new space here? Yeah. And uh, in just a few weeks, uh, it'll be permanent. But remember, next week, we'll be at the Y. So if you come here, no one will be here, okay? So make sure you go there next week. Um, well, my name's Chris, and we're so glad that you chose to uh, hang out with us today. And uh, if you would, uh, there's a little Connect card uh, that's in your program, and if you could uh, fill that out, uh, that would help us. Um, but uh, I also want to call your attention uh, to our middle school experience. And so uh, if you have a middle school student, we actually have a, a ministry experience for them during this time uh, to help them kind of grow closer with God. So if you're interested in doing that, to your right and my left, uh, Don uh, Richmond is back there, and uh, any students can go back there, and uh, they will take you to our community room. And parents, after, make sure you pick them up, okay? Um, don't just leave them there, but you'll uh, go back there to the community room. It's right off the elevator, and that's our space, and so uh, I hope that you'll be able uh, to do that as well. Just make sure you pick them up, okay? All right. Now, there's another card in your program that says volunteer. And uh, what I'd like you to do is to pull this out and to actually fill it out. If you didn't do it last week, that this week you would actually uh, make a commitment to say, I'm going to volunteer uh, one Sunday uh, per month. Um, as we move to the Civic, uh, we kind of need all hands on deck for everybody to help and serve in different ways. One of the ways we're going to do that is through our parking team. And uh, did you notice the parking team today? Yeah, wasn't that cool? Uh, I'm going to get a fancy orange vest myself and, uh, you know, start, not really, I'd, I'd make somebody wreck or something like that. But anyway, uh, we want you to uh, fill that out, pick something else. Uh, if parking team's not your thing, there's many opportunities to serve. But we need all hands on deck as we make this transition. And so we want to encourage you to come and uh, to be a part of that. And so if you could fill that out, that would be great. I'm going to invite our volunteer director, uh, Jennifer Welch, uh, to come and to share a couple more serving opportunities that you could have. And uh, let's give Jen a hand uh, as she comes up. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's so nice to see you all here today. Um, we do have many areas that we still need some help with, and um, I know that you are the perfect people for the job. So um, we need help on our JAR Kids, which is our children's ministry, for six weeks through fifth grade. Um, they'll meet up upstairs, and we do need people even just to hold babies, which is a pretty cool thing to do, as well as helping with our older kids as well. Um, our hospitality team still needs some help, um, help with passing out programs, making coffee, um, things like that. So if you're interested in hospitality, we can still use your help. Um, also, our media and sound team, um, they're in the back, and um, they'll still need a few more people to help uh, make sure that everything sounds good and looks good. And then our setup and teardown team, we still need a few people um, that will come in early each uh, Sunday to help get everything ready for you, and then after church, put it all away. Um, and then our parking team, as Chris mentioned, um, we still need some more people that um, are willing to come out and um, help with the parking team. We just want to make sure that everybody is safe as they're crossing the street and that um, Everybody uh, can get in here um, easily. Um, we also have a medical team. So if you have um, a medical background, and we do need some help with, um, uh, with that team as well. 
And then also our student ministries, which meets on Sunday nights. Um, We still need a few more volunteers to come and hang out with middle school and high school students. Um, And lastly, our worship team. Didn't they do an amazing job today? We we still need some more people. So if you have um, any musical ability, we need some people that can play guitar, drums, um, and the keys. So if that is you, then we need your help. Um, So as Chris mentioned, you have the card in your hand. You can also do it on the app if you um, prefer that. Um, But fill out the card, and then at the end of the celebration, um, the offering bags will come by, and you can just put the card um, in that offering bag. And I'll go ahead and give you a few minutes right now to fill out that card. All right, well, uh, thank you to everyone who uh, signed up uh, last week to help, and if you signed up today, that's great as well, and uh, we are very grateful uh, for that. So let's uh, pray, and then we'll dive into the teaching today. Well, God, I thank you for every single person here uh, this morning. It is not by coincidence that they came, but it's because you have called them. And uh, God, we ask that you would bless each person who uh, is here and God, you would bless those who uh, chose to serve and to say, I'm willing to give some of my time. And God, we thank you so much for providing this space here at the Civic. We thank you for the partnership that we have with the Civic and the great staff that's here. We pray your blessing on them as well. And God, as we enter into chapter two of the jar, um, my greatest prayer is that there would be many more lives that would be impacted that there would be more lives that are touched and brought into a relationship with you and that feel loved and cared for than was ever in chapter 1. And so, God, we ask now that you would come and you would speak to us. Speak to each person. Move in this place. Touch every life. And may we surrender more of our lives to you today. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, today we're in part 4 of our series called Confidence, and the reality is is that all of us want to be more confident. We want to have more confidence, but the truth is is that sometimes life actually kind of, you know, takes confidence away from us. It actually will beat the confidence out of us, and sometimes the evil one will come to us, and he'll give us lies like this that says, You aren't good enough. You can't make it. You don't have what it takes. We listen to the voice of this, and 
When we do, there's a real sense within each of our lives that we give in and then we lose some confidence. So over the past few weeks, we've been talking about a person in the Bible, a guy by the name of Jacob, and we've been looking at his story because he battled confidence his whole life. Now, his story is found in the very first uh, book of the Bible in Genesis, and I'd like to give you a little bit of background on him. First of all, you need to know what his name means. The word Jacob actually means to deceive, to grab, to manipulate. And throughout his life, he was nothing more than a liar and a cheat, and he tried to do anything he could to disrupt the people around him, including his family. He did that because he wanted to be seen as successful. He tricked his brother Esau out of his inheritance. So Esau was supposed to get two-thirds of the inheritance, and the one-third was given to everybody else, all the other kids. And Jacob actually stole that away from him, and he took two-thirds of it for himself. And when this happened, you can imagine Esau wasn't going, Oh, great, way to go. I'm glad you took two-thirds of everything, you know. He was ticked. He was mad. He was very upset, and he decided he was going to make it his life goal to kill Jacob. Now, Jacob was a mama's boy who stayed at home, Esau was a hunter, and so Jacob got scared, and he ran away from his home. And while he's running away from uh, his family and everything that he knew, God came to him, and God says this, I will bless you, and I will give you land, and I will make a nation of you, and your name will be made great. And you're like, how can that be? He's running away. He's all by himself. He has no one around him. How's his name going to be made great? And God says, even though you're a cheat and a liar and your life is a huge mess, I still love you. And for some of you this morning, that's what you need to hear. That regardless of what's going on in your life, it doesn't lessen God's love for you. And eventually, Jacob lands at his uncle's house and he starts marrying people. Not just one person. But two, and then those two give their maidservants. So it's Genesis, folks. It's messy, okay? That's all I can tell you. And uh, so there's like these four women that's in his life now. It's all messed up. But now in his life, he has 11 sons and he has a whole bunch of daughters. And then he runs to his future father-in-law, Laban, and they begin a relationship. But then he says, I'm done with Laban because he's starting to take some of my stuff So he takes the whole family and they leave away from Laban's home. Now, how many grandparents do we have here this morning, okay? Now, true or not true, if someone takes your grandchild, what will you do? You'll kill them, right? If someone takes your own child, what do you do? Take them. Just take them. Just go ahead, take them. I don't care what you do. Just just get them out of here. Well, that's kind of what happened in this relationship with his father-in-law. He takes all the people, and Laban's not so excited, and Laban comes after him. Now, guys, how many of you have ever had a conflict with your father-in-law? Just raise your hand. Ever men ever had a conflict? Some of you are like, they're here. I'm not going to raise my hand, okay? I get that. All right. 
But I had a conflict with my father-in-law. It came in year two. We were playing golf, and I swung and hit the ball, and it hit him in his head. It was just a minor cut. But he's still sensitive about it, you know, and uh, we've kind of had some issues that way. Okay, back to the story. Um, Well, Jacob, um, you know, runs away from his mom and dad. He runs away from his brother. And he's been away from the family for 21 years. And maybe some of you know what it's like to be estranged from your family. And no matter what has happened in the past, there's a sense that I want to go home, I want to make things right. And so Jacob decides he's going to go home. And Jacob thinks that, hey, you know what's going to happen is my brother Esau, I haven't seen him so long, he's going to forgive me because I want to be forgiven. But we're not so sure what Esau is going to do. I mean, the time, the last time that we heard about Esau, we heard that he wanted to kill Jacob. But now, we're not sure what it's like. So Jacob begins to head home, and they travel, and he stops with his family to sleep one night. Now, at this point, you need to know that Jacob is not just one person. He's a very wealthy family. Eleven sons and their wives and uh, all kinds of animals. He's an extremely, extremely wealthy man. And so eventually he gets close to Esau's territory and he gets to that point and he says, well, I don't want to go in there myself. I'm going to send a messenger because I have a servant and if they die, it doesn't matter. So he sends this guy and this guy's scared to death and he like comes up to Esau and he says, Esau, I'm coming on behalf of Jacob. And Esau goes, continue. And he says, well, you remember Jacob, the brother who ripped you off and stole your inheritance? And he's like, yeah. And uh, he goes, that was 21 years ago. He's like, yeah. He says, well, he wants you to know he's sorry. He's so sorry. He's just very, very sorry. So whatever you want, you can have of him. Because he's wealthy now. And Esau kind of looks at him and he responds. He says, well... You tell my brother Jacob, I want to go meet him myself. I'm going to come to him, and I've got 400 men with me. So the messenger takes off. He goes back to Jacob, and he goes, hey, I met your brother Esau. And he interrupts him. He says, how's he doing? He's like, he's doing pretty good. And he said, well, uh, is he mad? And he said, well, um, he said he was going to bring 400 people to meet you. They're all men. They're all warriors. And Jacob's like, well, what kind of men are they? And he said, well, I want you to know, I don't think they're professional huggers, okay? Like, we're not going to hug this thing out, you know? Like, this is actually going to be 400 guys. I think he's ticked off. And so Jacob decides to split his family in half because he's like, well, if they take out one half of the family, at least I'll still have the other half. And so he splits them in half, and we talked about it last week. And the thing that you need to know about Jacob is he's good at running. He ran away from his brother. He ran away from his father-in-law. And the one thing that I know about human beings, too, folks, is that we're really good at running away. We like to run sometimes. And that's Jacob's plan. But he's planning now that he has an escape plan. If they take over one part of the family, I'll still have the other, and I'll have my own identity. So in this plan, he sends a messenger. About every half hour, a messenger comes back. Can you imagine being the messenger? 
They're like, dude, can you get somebody else? You know, like anybody. There's 400 people. So he goes every single time and every half hour. He's like, Esau, um, your brother, he's really sorry. And here's a gift. And he gives another gift. And another half hour goes by and he comes back and he gives him another gift. And he just keeps on blessing him with gifts. And he hopes that he's going to appease his brother. And then in the middle of the night, the day before Jacob actually meets Esau, this is what we find out. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all their possessions. Woo! Courageous Jacob, right? He sends everybody else across the river with everything else that's going into Esau's territory, and he stays back by himself. He's only thinking about himself. He's self-absorbed with himself. He only uh, wants safety and protection. For the rest of the family, you're in danger, but that's okay. I'm just glad that I'm on this side. Now, what kind of husband would ever do that to their wife and family? When Jennifer and I had been married for just a couple of years, we went skiing to uh, Michigan. And uh, we like snow skiing. There's a picture of Jen up there, I think. Yep. And uh, so uh, we went skiing. And uh, I had skied quite a bit, but Jen had only skied one other time before. And so she took some lessons. And she took the lessons in the morning. She did a great job. And uh, she actually passed with flying colors. They said, go up to the top of the hill. So we go up to the hill, and the whole afternoon we go back and forth, and we get something to eat, and then eventually we go out night skiing. Now, one thing you need to know about snow skiing is that in the night, skiing is very different than during the day. It's slicker, it's icier, the temperatures go down, there's not as much light. So when we go up on the lift, I go, hey, Jen, why don't you go down first? And she goes down. And as she's skiing, all of a sudden, she experienced what in skiing word is called a yard sale. And what a yard sale is that, it'll show you here, uh, is that it's crash and burn. Equipment goes everywhere. Things fly all over the place. And she's all over the place. And she's hurt. And she's down there. And so I start skiing down there. And I look and I think, ah, I probably should go over there and help her. Well, about that time, I noticed that over in this area, there was a jump. And if you're a skier, one of the things that you realize is if you become pretty good, you don't just want to go down hills anymore. You want to go over jumps. And so I looked, and I mean, it wasn't like she was dead. You know, she was moving. And so I just go off the jump, and I got some sick air, and I'm like, whoa, dude. And I landed it, put my hands up in the air like I just won the Olympics, you know, and I get to the bottom of the hill. Now, I'm a godly person, and so I waited for her, okay? And I waited for her to come down. And so she came down, and when she came down, there were tears down her eyes. She did not look happy. She was very, very frustrated. And I don't really know what happened after that. But I know some of the words I can't say in church, okay? 
Now, as Jacob is there, he sends the family first to go do their own thing. Because he doesn't care. He's like, you're in trouble. You're in danger. You're in trouble. But I'm on this side. And he has no more plans. He has no more schemes. He has no more cards to play. He has no more tricks up his sleeve. There's nothing he can do. Now, up until this point, Jacob's life has centered around three people. Me, myself, and I. You see, there are two distinct chapters in Jacob's life. Chapter 1, which is your first fill-in, and this is what the theme of his life was. I live for self-sufficiency. I live for self-sufficiency. Jacob's life was motivated by his strength. It was motivated by his schemes, his plans. He always could find a way out. He could always lie. He could always cheat. He could always steal. He could always do something else. He believed in God, but the fact is he relied on himself. There's a God up there, and I believe him, but when things get difficult, I'm just going to turn to my own self-sufficiency. Then the night came. And during the night, all of his family's on the other side of the river, and he's on the other all by himself. And the story continues. So Jacob was left alone, and a man, and some scholars believe this may have been an angel. We'll find out later on. It's actually God. And it says this. And so this man wrestled with him till daybreak. So folks, this wrestling that is going on, it's not like WWE Raw, okay? This is, you are wrestling with the Son of the Most High God. You are wrestling with God Himself. You are wrestling with the God of the universe. You are wrestling with God. And I want to ask you this morning, have you ever wrestled with God before? Have you ever had a night where you didn't sleep? You tossed and you turned and you had a wrestling with God. Well, this is what Jacob was experiencing. The story goes on. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Now, the question that you have to look when you look at this, because all this is like, oh, man, this is uh, a little bit out there. I'm not so sure. The question is, what's going on? Well, this is what I want you to know is going on. Jacob's biggest conflict was not with his brother. It wasn't with his father-in-law. It wasn't with his wives or anybody else. His greatest conflict was with God. And God tells Jacob, okay, you want to have it out? Let's have it out. Let's get down. Let's get ready to wrestle. Let's get ready to rumble. Mano y mano, me and you. And so God shows up in this human form and he wrestles with him all night long. Folks, the reality is the biggest struggle that you have in your life right now is not with somebody else. It's not with some problem, some crisis, some conflict. Your problem's with God. You're wrestling with Him. And when you wrestle with God, it doesn't bother God at all. God isn't like, oh, they're trying to wrestle with me. No, 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 no. He doesn't care. 
Because the thing is, folks, wrestling is a close, personal contact sport. And this is what God says. I would rather that you'd be close and you're wrestling with me and maybe you don't like it than to be distant and far and by yourself. It means you're close. And God would rather hear you say things like this. God, I don't like my life right now. God, I don't like the situation I'm in right now. I'm ticked off, God. I'm mad. Let me have it out with you. Let's wrestle. Rather than being distant and apathetic. Now, when we tell God what we really think, did you realize God doesn't get mad? He doesn't get mad. He just says, fine. Then let's do it. Let's go ahead, let's wrestle, you and I, one-on-one. God doesn't mind wrestling with you. Like I said, he'd rather be up close and personal with whatever's going on in your life than to be distant and far removed. In fact, he'd rather, be you, he would rather have you close and angry at him than to be far away and apathetic. Now, you might be asking at this point, well, Chris, how do you know, though, that this was God? I mean, you talked about scholars. I mean, it says a man. What does this really mean? Well, actually, there's another passage of Scripture that lets us know that it was God. It's not in Genesis, but in the book of Hosea, it says this. Before Jacob was born, he struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even fought with, who's it say? With God. Let me kind of give a parallel kind of observation at this point. You know, the problems that you're having in your life, the crisis, the conflict, the difficulty, whatever it is that's going on in your life, that ain't the real problem. I mean, the problem that you're having with your kids, that you're having in your marriage, the problem that you're having at work, the problem that you're having with friends, the problem that you have with your boss, the problem that you have with your finances, the problem that you're having with your health is only a symptom. But your real struggle is with God. That's really it. I mean, the real question is, who is going to be the God of your life? Who's going to be the God of my life? Does God have the right to tell me what I need to do? Does God have the right to call the shots in my life? Folks, your greatest struggle is not with other people, but it is the fact that you are wrestling with God. This ongoing wrestling match, which is the ultimate fight that we all have, is with him. And the question is, will you try to live your own life the way you want, or will you choose to follow him? Your biggest struggle, my biggest struggle, is with God. And how do I know this? Well, your biggest struggle with God and my biggest struggle with God is this. When things don't go my way, when people don't act the way that I want them to act, when it goes faster or slower than what I intended, we often have a tendency to take our lives and try to control everything on our own. You don't wait. You don't trust God. You don't pray. You don't sit back. You don't think God will provide for your needs. And so what happens is you make your life a hurry. Everything has to be done now. 
whether it's in your marriage or your job or your car or your relationships, whatever it is, you take matters into your own hands. Now, if you would, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to think of your biggest problem that you're facing right now, okay? You don't have to share it with anybody, okay? And don't point at somebody. Uh, in the first celebration, I was like, what's your biggest problem? Somebody goes, right here. <laughs> so don't do that, okay? So what is your biggest problem? Okay, think about it. What is your biggest problem? You got it? The biggest problem you're facing. Okay, now... Whatever that problem is, it boils down to two things. Will I trust God and will I obey God? Will I trust God and will I obey Him? And any time, folks, you're not doing those two things, guess what? You're going to wrestle with God. You're going to struggle with God. You're thinking... I don't really need God to take care of this particular thing. I'll take the matter into my own hands. And I can tell you from experience, so many times I've done that in my life before. And what happens? It's a mess because I don't trust him enough. You see, the root of all conflict is this. You want to be in charge. You want to be in control. I want to be in control. You want what you want, when you want, where you want it. I mean, the root of all of our problems is just this fact. I want to be in charge. And when you do this, God says, okay, have at it. But we're going to go to the mat. We're going to wrestle one-on-one. Let's have it out. Let's see who really is in charge here. Folks, God will take you to the mat if he has to. Because this is the truth. Even though he loves you just the way you are, he loves you too much for you to stay that way. Even though he loves you just the way you are, he loves you too much to stay that way because he wants you to look more and more like his son Jesus. So if he has to, he says, okay, let's wrestle. Well, it's in wrestling with God that Jacob's life finally turns from chapter 1 to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, this is what his life becomes. I choose to die to self-sufficiency. He said, I used to live to be self-sufficient, but now I actually die to my self-sufficiency. That's the decision. That's the moment. That's the change. Then listen to what takes place next. Then the man said... Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let go of you unless you bless me. What an amazing statement. That God says, I'm going to cling on. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to stay here. Jacob says, I'm going to stay with you, God. I'm going to cling until you bless me. You know what a lot of us do sometimes? We're like, oh, he's not going to bless me. I'm going to go do my own thing over here. Yep, I'm going to do it all over here, and I'm going to wait. No, 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 I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to do my own thing. See you, God. I'm going to do my own thing. And God's like, hey, will you cling on me to me and hold on to me enough that you could see me work in your life? And this kind of leads us to our big idea and the take-home message for everybody this morning, and it's this. You will never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. 
And some of you have been at those places before in your life. It's the testimony of your life. You will never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. God will wrestle with us. He will battle with us. He will fight with us until we get to that place. Because he loves us too much to just keep on doing our own thing of self-sufficiency. Instead, he says, will you have surrender to me? And surrendering to God, folks, is the biggest struggle that all human beings have ever had since the beginning of time. We want our way, and we struggle to surrender to him. So Jacob's there. He's wrestling with God. And then the Bible says this. Then the man, that is God, asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Now, do you find that kind of weird? Like if you're the God of the universe, if you created Jacob, why are you asking him his name? I mean, they've been wrestling all night long. I'm sure they kind of learned to know each other, and God obviously already knows his name. Folks, whenever God asks you a question, it's not for his benefit. It's for yours. Whenever you get a prompting in your life and you have a question, and you're like, well, I didn't come up with that myself. It's not for God's benefit. It's for yours. So when he asks him, who or what is your name, God obviously knows his name. He created him. The reason God asks the question is because he wants Jacob to admit who he is. Again, remember what Jacob's name means? What's it mean? To deceive, to manipulate. And boy, did he do that with perfection all of his life up until this point. I mean, his whole life was one conflict after another of deception. So when God asked him, what is your name? He's saying, Jacob, I want you to own up to who you are. And Jacob had to confess. Well, God, this is who I am. I'm a deceiver. I'm a manipulator. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm broken. I'm lost. I'm a gossip. So all his life, Jacob lives up to his name. He deceived his dad. He deceived his brother. He deceived his mom. He deceived his father-in-law. He deceived his wives. By the way, I wonder if you were named after your biggest character flaw, what would your name be? If you were named after your biggest character flaw, what would your name be? Hi, my name is Bitter. Hi, my name is All About Me. Hi, my name is Gossip. Hi, my name is Greedy. Hi, my name is Angry Temper. Hi, my name is Lust. Hi, my name is Addiction. You see, in Jacob's day, folks, people's names were given to them because of what their character was. We do names today because of how it sounds. Brittany. I like Brittany. Hopefully no one. If you're Brittany, I'm not saying no. <laughs> I thought about that after first. I was like, there might be a Brittany in second. Chris, don't do that. Okay. But, you, may, you know, we, we choose names by the way that they sound. Brittany, you know, uh, whatever other name, but we don't do it by a person's character. And I have a feeling that a lot of you are glad we don't name you that way. But in those days, your name was a label. Your name was a tattoo placed upon you. Your name was a brand. So when Jacob says, I am Jacob, 
What he's really saying is, I am a manipulator. I am a deceiver. But here's the cool thing. When Jacob says, I'm a manipulator, God is not like, oh, I didn't know. I'm so shocked to know that you're a manipulator and deceiver. He's not like, OMG, IDK. Oh my God, I didn't know. I have no idea. Folks, God already knows everything about you, even the stuff that you don't know about yourself. And this is the truth. He loves you where you're at. He loves you exactly where you're at. And he loves you too much to keep you there. Then it's at this point that Jacob is like, hey, wonder what's going to happen. Am I going to get a new identity? And look at what takes place next in the text. Then the man, God, said, your name will no longer be Jacob. God says, hey, I'm going to change your name. But your name will be Israel. Anyone ever heard of that name before? It's like a whole country now. And this guy, who was a deceiver, becomes this. Because you have struggled with God and with man and you have overcome. The first thing you need to notice in scripture, folks, is that Jacob gets a new identity. God says, you've been called a manipulator. You've been called a deceiver. You've been called a liar. But I'm going to give you a new name now. And my name that I'm given to you is Israel. Now the question is, what does that name mean? You know, is it an upgrade or isn't it? Let's see. And the name Israel means this. It means prince of God. Everybody else saw Jacob as a defeated, mean-spirited, cheating, lying manipulator. But God says, I see something deeper in you. I see something beneath all of that. There's something greater in you. Beyond all of your sin and hang-ups, I see a prince. And some of you maybe were given an identity by someone in your past. Maybe a mom, maybe a dad, a boyfriend, girlfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife, somebody else, and maybe you've had this identity. You're a loser. You're a phony. You're a fake. You're worthless. And on and on and on and on. And you know those names. Or maybe someone labeled you early on in life. You're ugly. Your body doesn't look right. You're dumb. You're unsuccessful. You're a nobody. But folks, all of those things are lies. Because God says, I know what's beneath who people say you are. Because I see a prince. I see a princess. My little girls, they love to be princesses. And for some of you young women and older women, you've been told your whole life you're not that. And today God wants to say, you're a prince. You're a princess. I see what you can be. I see how I made you. Now, there's even something deeper that happens here. Jacob not only gets a new name, but he also gets something else. Verse 31 says this, The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was what? What's the next word? He was limping because of his hip. The key word in that passage is that word that I just had you say. It's limping. And throughout the Bible, men and women who God used in the greatest way, guess what? They all had a limp. 
It may have been an emotional limp, a physical limp, a spiritual limp, a relational limp. No matter who you are, this is what I want you to know about everybody in this room today. You have a limp. You have a limp. And that limp is a reminder to you that your life is not about you. Your life is about God. You know, it's very interesting to me that on the first chapter of his life, he could buy or manipulate or lie his way to get what he wanted. And yet, isn't it very interesting that what turned his life around was a limp? His vulnerability, his weakness. Now, in a moment of honesty, guess what? I hate this part of the story. I hate this part of the story. Just to risk a moment of vulnerability, I don't like other people to see me limp. I don't like you to see me limp. And yet one of the greatest limps that I have in my life is I battle with anxiety. Worry is my number one spiritual gift. I mean, I can make coffee nervous. You know what I mean? Although on the outside, you look up here and you're like, wow, he's confident, he's strong, he must, you know, he must be really, really confident. That there are so many times in my life, folks, that I'm very anxious and I'm very fearful. What if I fail? What if the church fails? What if I'm not enough? What if I'm not faithful enough? What if I'm not godly enough? What if I'm not good enough? Do I spend enough time to invest in my wife? Do I spend enough time to invest in my kids? Do I hang out with friends? What do people think of me? What do you think of me? The truth is, folks, I don't want people to know that I've got a limp. And what I try to do my whole life is what I simply do is I try to hide it from everybody else. Can I hide my limp enough? I don't want anyone else to know that I battle anxiety. I want to hide. I don't want people to see it. Folks, here's the thing. God does more through our limps than he could ever do through our strengths. Let me say that again. God does more through our limps than he could ever do through our strengths. He works through them. Because when you admit that you have a limp, you have to surrender it to God. And you no longer focus on self-sufficiency and my own strengths, but it's about what God can do and what God can do through me. I love how Paul puts it this way. He says this, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties, in anxieties, in struggles, in your body image, in the way you think about yourself. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, following God is not easy. 
Following God is uncomfortable sometimes. Following God sometimes is not painless. Sometimes it's not safe. Sometimes there's a fight. Sometimes there's a wrestling match. Sometimes there's something that's painful that happens in your life. And what God is trying to do in the midst of that is he says, I'll take you to the mat if I have to. I just want you to look more like my son Jesus because then I know your life will be so much healthy, more more healthy and whole. Folks, the thing is this. Success is not going to fix you. Success is not going to fix me. It's all about surrender. Success is not going to fix you. Surrender is. So right now, in the next few moments, we're going to kind of take the lights down a little bit. And I want to invite you for a moment to just have a moment with God in your own way, with your own words, in your own heart. And this morning, I want to give to you four words that you can say. No matter what your story is today, no matter what your situation is, you can say these four words. And these are the most important four words, maybe, that you'll ever have in your life. And it's this. God, I need you. God, I need you. Maybe you're in a moment in your marriage right now and things aren't good and people look on the outside, but it's rough and you're wondering, is it even going to last? And you cry out simply, God, I need you. Maybe you're struggling at work. Maybe you're trying to find a job. You don't even have work right now. Maybe you're struggling with a kid. Maybe you're struggling with someone at work. Maybe you're struggling with a coworker, or a boss. Maybe your health is struggling. Whatever the future holds you're struggling with, that's not your struggle, folks. What your struggle is to be able to say, God, I need you. Maybe your life really looks good on the outside, like you're able to pretend and make everybody think that it's all good, but inside you feel anxious, you feel empty, you feel a sense of, hey, you know what, this loneliness, I just can't stand it anymore. And you need to be able to share those four words. God, I need you. God, I need you. Let's listen to this song and sing.
God, whatever struggle it is that we face this morning, we don't struggle with it alone. God, there are times that we feel like we're on the other side of the river and everything else is on the other side. And we feel alone and we feel empty and we feel desperate and we don't know what to hold on to. And that's, God, when you come the most and you reveal yourself to us and you find us. God, we need you. We need you. We're not going to let go of you. Lord, help us today to stop living self-sufficient lives. Help us to surrender and give all of our life to you. And maybe the reality is you've been wrestling with God lately. You've been going your own way rather than his. You've been doing your own stuff whenever you wanted. And you're struggling to trust him. You're struggling to obey him. And the reality is you need to surrender, or for some of you, maybe you're here, you need to re-surrender you've kind of drifted away from God and it's only one step to drift back and so if today you're in that second camp you know God but you haven't really re-surrendered yourself to him today could be that day where you just say God I'm tired of wrestling I'm re-surrendering my life to you And maybe for some of you who are here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to him. You've never said, God, I need you. You've never had that moment. And maybe today you could believe and you could surrender your life to him and you could say, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your love. I need your second chance. I need burdens taken away. I need your plan for my life. I need the assurance of heaven. And so if you're there today, I'm going to invite you to share a prayer with me. And it's not my prayer, it's your prayer. And here at the JAR, we never pray alone. We always pray together in community. And so I just invite you, for the first time, for some of you, to say this prayer out loud, to say, God, I need you in this particular way. And so repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I need you in my life. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer. For the first time, welcome to the kingdom of God. Hey, one more thing, if you would, to help us out. We want to get better by the time our grand opening takes place on October 28th. So there's just this little survey that's a celebration experience. And uh, we want to hear from you on what your experience was like. From the moment you came into the parking lot, dropping off your kids, getting to your seat, getting coffee or a snack, um, what the teaching was like, make that good, okay, no, I'm joking, Um, whatever it is, but we'd like you to take some time right now uh, to fill this out, and if you're more of a techie person, uh, you can just go on to our app, and there's a place for you to actually um, fill that out as well, so I'm going to give you a couple of uh, moments.
uh, to be able to do that. And you'll put this in the bag uh, when it comes around here in a second um, at the end. So if you would, take a couple of moments. It would help us out a lot to share your thoughts. Be honest. Uh, we want to get better. So go ahead. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Emily, and I have just a few announcements for you. Um, Chris mentioned this Connect card earlier today. So if you haven't filled that out yet, we'd love for you to do that. Um, it's just a way for us to get to know you a little bit better, whether this is your first time or you've been coming for years. Um, it's just our way that we can connect with you. So once you finish filling that out, you can just drop it in the offering bags when they come around later. Um, another way that you can fill out the Connect card is on the JAR app. Um, which Chris just mentioned. Um, if you don't have the JAR app, it's a really great tool. You can do all kinds of really cool things. You can take notes during the teaching and look at our calendar and all kinds of things like that. So you'll definitely want to download that app. Um, well, this time we're going to receive an offering. So if I could have the greeters come forward. And uh, don't forget to drop that um, volunteer card into the offering bag if you filled that out and your survey and your Connect card. Um, uh, just when those bags come around. So um, if you're new here, we don't want you to feel any kind of pressure to give. We're more concerned about just getting to know you. But um, if the jar is your church home, then we just encourage you to um, give generously to our God who's so generous to us. If you would please pray with me. God, I thank you so much for um, just this space and being here today. Thank you for all that you've given us as a church and individually. And I pray that um, you'd help us to just be able to give back today in a way that will impact this community for you. Amen. All right. Well, if you are new here and um, you haven't got a chance to step, stop by our guest connections table, I want to invite you to do that. It's just that big table out in the lobby. And um, we'll have a volunteer there that will have a free gift for you with no strings attached. They just want to make you feel welcome here at the JAR. Um, so you can um, go ahead and stop by there on your way out today. And um, one of the things that um, we are really passionate about at our church, really it's our mission, is to love our community into a relationship with Jesus. And so one of the ways we do that is through Serve Fest. And this is one Saturday a month where we go and just do random acts of kindness in our community. Um, one of the things we do is take cookies to the employees in the mall, and we hand out newspapers and coffee at the bus station. And so this month when we'll be doing that, it's always the second Saturday, so it's October 13th at 10 a.m., and so you can sign up for SurfFest on the app or at the Guest Connections table um, as you leave today. So that's going to be a really cool thing. Well, um, I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. I love when the leaves change and it just feels, it's just fall and it's just an awesome feeling. And it always makes me want to go and have a bonfire. So I'm really excited about our annual harvest party coming up and chili cook-off. It's going to be on October 20th from 5 to 8. And they're going to have all kinds of really cool things, um, a bonfire and um, a contest for who has the best chili. And they're going to have games and hay rides and just a bunch of really cool things. So you don't want to miss that. If you look in your program, you can get all the details about where it is and what you should bring with you and all that stuff. Um, so you can sign up for that harvest party on the app or as you leave today at the Guest Connections table. Well, um, just a reminder, if you have kids today, don't forget to pick them up. Don't leave them here. Um, there's two ways that you can go and get your kids. You can go out this back door here, and if you just go to the left, you'll see the elevator. That'll take you up to Jar Kids. Um, another way is if you go up into the balcony, there's a door in the back that will lead to Jar Kids as well. So either one of those ways, make sure you get your kids. 
And um, this today is just sort of a, a test run for us here at the Civic. So we will be back at the Y next Sunday. So downtown YMCA, make sure you go back there until October 28th, which is our grand opening, right back here at the Civic. Well, today, if you have any, any need going on in your life, anything that you would like to have someone come alongside and pray with you about, um, we have a couple of members of our prayer team right here in front of this stage. They would love to pray with you. Or maybe uh, you prayed that prayer with Chris today, and that was, that was the first time that you really committed your life to Jesus. And we want to be able to celebrate um, that with you and support you in that. So if you just come up to one of our prayer team members and say, hey, you know, I prayed that prayer. They have a, a gift for you to help you remember this day and a Bible, and they just want to be there to support and encourage you in that. So I encourage you to come up um, as soon as church is over today and talk to them. And Chris will be right up here, Pastor Chris, by the stage. So if you're new here, he'd love to be able to meet you and uh, connect with you. So he'll come back up in a minute, but he'll also be right there um, at the end of church today. Well, hey, let's stand for our uh, closing today. Uh, When you leave today, and it's a beautiful day, so have a great day. When you leave today, you're going to receive a little invitation to October 28th, our grand opening in this space. And um, it'll look like this. And this is not for you, okay? We're expecting you to already come, okay? But this is to invite somebody, coworker, neighbor, friend, somebody to come on the 28th and to be a part of this celebration. Hey, remember, folks, this week, our big idea. You will never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. So each day this week, as you go through your day, say, God, I need you. When you wake up in the morning and some of you aren't morning people, God, I need you, okay? And then when you go to work, you know, you're just like, God, I need you. And when you drop the kids off, God, I need you. And when you get the kids back, God, I need you, okay? And then when you get home, you know, for the first time and all the families are and they're walking uh, up to you, God, I need you. And when you get ready to go to sleep, God, I need you. And this is the truth. God is for you and with you. And he says, every time you need me, I'll be with you. So have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you could, please pick up your chairs. and Oh, sorry, we don't have to do that. Um, Three more weeks, folks, okay? And then you don't have to do that. Have a great week, everybody. Drop off your pens, please. Drop off your pens.